healing is possible. We share stories of people everywhere who have healed from their diagnoses. Powered by HealthRevolution.org I'm your host, Dr. Anup Kumar. Welcome to the Healing is Possible podcast. My guest today is Chuck Carroll. Chuck is truly the weight loss champion and host of the wildly popular podcast, The Exam Room. At his heaviest, Chuck weighed 420 pounds and had amassed a 66-inch waist while requiring a size 6XL shirt. Chuck is going to share with us his entire journey of healing. Chuck, please go ahead and share with us your story. Oh, man. Thank you so much for having me here. It's uh, it's really a pleasure. Um, boy, what a journey it has been um, to think that you know, here I am today, five, six on a good day and, and once weighed 420 pounds and thinking that was completely normal and just kind of my lot in life. Um, you know, I, I kind of look back on that, you know, here we are 13 years later and I'm just kind of like, what, what was I thinking? And really uh, what it goes back to doc is that there are little things that when you reach that size that you tell yourself to, I don't want to say, I, I don't want to call them excuses, but there's certainly things that you, you will say to yourself to justify continuing down that unhealthy path, even though, even though you know full well what you're doing is not a healthy decision. And while you may not be able to fully grasp the consequences of your actions, you know full well um, based on your family's history, and even things that you've seen on TV, you've learned about in school, that if you continue down this road, um, you may not uh, live to, to you know, that ripe old age that you might be hoping uh, yeah. for. But there are so many things that go into that. And, and really, what I want to talk to you most about here today is food addiction. Um, and, and Doc, I don't know if this is something that you've been able to, to study or discuss with any of the patients whom you've worked with previously, but... Um, I am here to tell you that food can be just as addictive as any narcotic out there, as alcohol, as tobacco. And so when you see somebody who was 420 pounds, like I was, or heavier, um, they are quite literally wearing their addiction on their sleeve. And it is a struggle. And it is not simply um, a choice of them saying, hey, I want to go to, in my case, Taco Bell, or I'm lazy. You know, I'm just going to keep on eating and doing nothing. It's nobody chooses. I, I want to stress this. Nobody chooses to be that weight. Nobody wants to be that weight. It's uncomfortable. It's unhealthy. And there's a whole lot of drama that comes with it inside and out. And that's what I want to talk to you about here today, my friend. So, yeah, let me just jump in and say um, a couple things come to mind. One is, um, First of all, just the power of your speech, you know, when the way you just broke it down and said, um, nobody wants to be that way. Um, you know, I think, I think we're used to, or I think there is an idea in society that uh, people just don't care or people aren't paying attention. And um, maybe they're just, maybe people are okay being that weight or, and, and I think you're going to kind of take us behind the scenes of at least your experience of the psychology behind it. Um, and the other thing is when you talked about justification, right? How um, a person justifies. I mean, it reminds me of myself. I haven't had a weight problem, um, but I have um, justified so many things to myself, you know, in, in whatever it is, even when 
I went plant-based and I switched to plant-based. There were still times then I would eat things that it's almost like it is an addiction, you know, and, and I can feel that the body is not going to feel good. The mind is not going to feel good. And yet it's, it's just that, that kind of habit, that addiction. So um, thanks for saying that. Thanks for talking about it in terms of that. And in terms of smoking or tobacco, or frankly, I think any number of things um, that any of us are addicted to. So thanks for saying that. Please go on. Yeah. I mean, let me, let me put things into perspective for you. I mean, so um, my whole life, I, I have been fascinated by media and I wanted to work in radio. And one of my big breaks came uh, for a, a radio station in Washington, D.C. And I, I can't make this up. It's, it's so appropriate. WBIG, big 100.3 is where I got my, my big break. And um, to be on the air, I thought that I had to be this big Chuck character. That's what they call me, big Chuck. Hmm. And so one day, um, after we had finished up the, the morning show, a salesperson came in and they were like, Hey, Chuck, we have this potential client who is looking for somebody to endorse their diet. And so what we want to do is we want to pay you to lose weight. We want to pay you to follow their diet. And then we're going to chronicle it on air. Right. I was like, Oh my gosh, you're going to pay me to lose weight. What a great day. This is sign me up for this every day. I felt like I had just won the lottery. So at this point I'm like 360, 370, somewhere in that ballpark, not quite at my heaviest. So I'm like, cool. So this little gem of a diet was something called the cookie diet. And what you do is you eat a cookie for breakfast and you drink a bunch of water with that. You eat a cookie for lunch, you drink a bunch of water with that, and then you eat this ambiguously defined sensible dinner, which they never tell you exactly what the sensible dinner should be, only just to make sure that you have some vegetables on your plate. Beyond that, no real direction. But for the first day, I'm like, I'm pumped up, I'm getting paid, I'm going to lose some weight, I'm going to feel great about myself, giddy up. First day comes and goes, eh, more or less okay. Second day, I start to notice some changes in here, okay, in terms of how I was feeling physically, and I started to get cranky, because then what started creeping into my mind was, man, I really want Taco Bell right now, right? I really, really, really want some Taco Bell, because every day before that, without fail, I had gone to Taco Bell. And, and we were at a point now where they would just see me pull into the drive-thru. And by the time I got to the menu board, they would say, hey, Chuck, your usual today? I was like, absolutely, because the order never changed. And they were like, cool, 20 bucks, pull up. And that's where we were. So second day, I'm freaking out. Third day, it's a full-blown panic attack right? I'm, I really, really, really want to do good because I'm being paid to endorse this diet. But I'm angry now because I haven't had my Taco Bell. I hadn't gotten my two seven layer burritos, my two beef grilled stuffed burritos, my chicken quesadilla, my nachos bel grande, my caramel empanada and my cheesy potato burrito, right? Which is almost like 5,000 calories when you add all of that up. I hadn't gotten that and I'm just freaking out. And then I start to feel kind of sick, you know, I, like I'm coming down with the flu or something. So I'm literally laying in bed sheets pulled up, covers pulled up over my head, just feeling like rancid garbage. And I'm just getting angrier and angrier and angrier until eventually I got up out of bed and I punched my fist through a wall just because I hadn't had Taco Bell. I thought punching my fist through a wall would make those cravings go away. But of course it didn't. If anything, because yeah, I'm all worked up at this point, putting my fist through a wall only made things worse. So then I put my fist through a door. Would that 
make me feel better? No, it made my hand hurt though. Um, so despite the fact then I was being paid to lose weight on this diet, I was so fixated on Taco Bell, I devised a plan where I would sneak out of the house in the middle of the night so nobody would know. And I would go to the 24-hour drive-through and I would load up. And I got my, my, my $20 worth of heart attack in a sack. I came back. And once I took that first bite, it was like everything was right with the world again. I felt literally a, a warm rush of calm wash over me. And it was unlike anything I had ever felt before. And, and I was like, oh my God, all of the anger, the frustration, the angst, it was just gone instantaneously. But then I was like, oh crap, this is why. This is why I've never been able to successfully keep weight off long-term because this is 20 times harder than quitting smoking ever was. I was hooked. I was hooked in a bad way. And I was even like getting moved to the point of tears. Like, what the hell am I going to do? Because my grandfather uh, on my father's side died of heart disease before I was even born. My grandfather on my mother's side had had quadruple bypass, had his own heart issues. My dad now had had a number of heart procedures and I'm just on the accelerated plan. I'm in my early twenties at this point, And I'm like, I'm not going to live to see 30. And even though like I was saying, I, at the top of the show, we know the choices that we're making are, are going to be met with really dire consequences in some cases. I couldn't help myself. So even after, Doc, having this epiphany, it was still a number of years before I was able to really make sustainable, lasting change. And I had to go to extreme measures to do that. But to make, to, 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 to make this cookie diet thing work... I would work out in the gym two and a half, three hours a day just to keep burning those calories enough so that it would offset my Taco Bell addiction. And I could still go on the air and say, hey, man, this diet is the ticket. Let me tell you what, if you're not doing the cookie diet, you're not doing it right. And it was all a fraud and I couldn't control myself. And I felt horribly about it at the time. I feel horribly about it today, but that is the power of addiction. You know, it had its hooks in me. And if people looked at food in the same way that we do alcohol, tobacco, drugs, then I think that we might start to see some progress actually made in terms of the choices that we make with our diets. Ergo, we would start to see this reverse in the trend of upward obesity and people who are struggling with their weight. And we would see a lot fewer complications with uh, all of these other chronic illnesses out there. That's just one man's opinion who has, uh, you know, lost almost 300 pounds, but you, I think you're right really, on, man. Yeah, I think man, you're, you're absolutely right on with that. Um, uh, wow. A few things come to mind. One is, um, first of all, cookie diet. Wow. That, that, that a company really came up with this. It's a thing. And it's took thing. this to people who were suffering and wanted help. And, um, yeah, that's, that's one thing. Um, the second thing is, um, that you had that insight, you know, that, that when this happened or when you took that first bite after a couple of days without Taco Bell and you felt this euphoria, right. You felt the, the grace of God, you, you know, the, the blessing of the food, so to speak, um, you, you knew very early on, I, I imagine this is not the case for everybody, but you knew you were like, uh-oh, this is a problem. 
you know, the fact that I felt that bad and now I'm feeling this good in a span of seconds, um, you recognize there was a problem. 100%. I'm, I'm grateful for that moment. I hated yeah. it at the time, but I, I'm so grateful because that moment literally changed my life. I didn't know that it would at the time, but yeah. man, um, you know, I, I can't imagine being here today had it not been for that night. The, the other thing that it brought to mind was, you know, how you compared it to drugs. And, you know, we had such a campaign, we had such a big campaign, uh, just saying, I remember the just say no campaign when I was a kid uh, about drugs. And uh, even now, you know, the, uh, there's now there's more debate about it, because there's a question about legalizing marijuana in different states. And I think there's a much more open minded approach to what drugs are. But what it really tells me, whether it's drugs or whether it's food, is that uh, behind the behavior, there is some kind of psychological need, right? And it was the same thing for me when I was changing my food. It's, it's not just about um, obesity or a diagnosis or whether it's drugs. It's actually, there's actually about the psychological need. In fact, um, to give an extreme example, I know there's a professor, I don't know if it's at NYU, who has a pretty unconventional uh, take on drugs, which is that you know, the drugs aren't the problem. And um, to the point that he actually says he uses illicit drugs, um, but people have used drugs for centuries, he says, but the problem is more, is there a psychological dependence on it? Is that addiction there where it's giving you something that you can't get somewhere else or within yourself? That's an interesting theory. Boy, that's a deep conversation. I don't know if I want to get into that one today, yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, that, that is a pretty, pretty out there thing, man. I love professors. Yeah. They, they always give you something to think about. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I mean, the thing though is, is like even having recognized that, you know, that, that it still took years before I was able yeah. to do anything about it. And, 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 but also I think here's kind of where we go wrong. Uh, by the way, the, the cookie diet wound up failing miserably. I mean, uh, after I went off of that, I mean, I just ballooned to the point where you want to talk about a parallel with drugs. Uh, I got up to my heaviest point and my friends had become so concerned with me at that point, um, much like they would do with an alcoholic or somebody who was struggling with substance abuse. They tried to organize an intervention for me, but because I still wasn't ready to change at that point, I had this violent reaction toward them, much the same way that I, you know, had the violent reaction toward the wall and into the door. I didn't hit anybody, but you know, these were the people who were closest to me in my entire life. You know, these, these people obviously have my best interest at heart and I wound up cutting them out of my life for a number of years because they wanted to tell me that I, I had a problem, right? Like who were they to tell me that I had a problem? I knew I had a problem. I had had that epiphany already. You know, I knew that I was in trouble, but that was my problem, not theirs. And they need to mind their own business, stay in their own lane. So I cut them out of my life, you know? And so like, that's another thing that makes me think, wow, you know, the, there is a whole heck of a lot of similarities there. And then, you know, even if it's not like the most extreme case, like we're talking about with me today, think about how often, you know, you may have gone on a diet right? If you're hearing this today and, and you say, well, okay, my goal uh, is to lose 20 pounds, but you know, once I lose those first 10, I'm going to reward myself, right? I'm going to have that piece of chocolate cake. I love chocolate cake. So that's going to be my reward to myself with that chocolate cake. But so you get to that, that 10 pound mark, man, and you bite into that chocolate cake and you think it's the greatest thing uh, in the history of ever. But that one slice of cake leads to another and then the next day and then the next day thereafter. And then before you know it, you know, the wheels have come off and the weight comes back on, 
right? So you're rewarding yourself with the very thing that put you in an unhealthy position in the first place, but we don't think about it in those terms. So really what you're doing is self-sabotage, you know, or think about even if you've been successful with a diet long-term and you think, well, I call this my one nacho theory, I can have just one nacho. And this is another failed diet that I can trace back to, you know, having literally just one nacho and thinking I could handle it. Well, that one nacho after I had lost 55, 60 pounds turned into another nacho and then another nacho thereafter. And before you know it, boom, I was right back at Taco Bell again. And the weight came pouring back on, you know, and, and, and so there, there is a certain percentage of the population who struggles with this to an extreme level. But I do believe, you know, even on, on a, like a much larger or smaller scale, you, me, everybody, you know, struggles with this because our brains inherently are just wired to crave three things when it comes to food. And that is salt, that is sugar, and that is fat. And that is the Holy Trinity of daggone near everything that is on a fast food menu. And um, that is also why processed foods, highly processed, highly palatable foods are so incredibly hard to give up and why we hold them so near and dear to our heart. Because every time we take a bite, it literally is like a little slice of heaven in your mind, even though it's putting your body through, excuse my language, it's putting your body through hell. So how did you then go from this process of uh, obviously recognizing, whoa, there's a problem here. Um, your friends try to intervene, you cut them out of your life. And now what happens in that interval between um, that, that intervention, that failed intervention, and when you start to make changes? Like what is happening? With, is it is a, a slow, steady change? Is it an up and down? Is it just, you know, pure hell or what's happening in that period? Oh, it's, it's, it's like hell. I mean, like I, I just, the addiction grew and grew and grew and grew. And, you know, I tried to care less and less, but then, you know, physically my, my symptoms became really severe. So when I was a sophomore in high school, and this is years earlier, I was put on high blood pressure medication. It was already like 185, 190 over 90 or wow. even a hundred, right. Just like through the roof high. And so I was put on beta blockers at a very young age and changed nothing about my diet. So here we are. Uh, now I'm in uh, my early to mid twenties. And as I said, you know, uh, my father was having heart issues. Both of my grandfathers had heart issues. One of whom, you know, I, I never met because he was dead uh, beforehand because he died from a series of heart attacks. Um, and I was unable to walk more than 10 feet at this point without feeling that proverbial elephant on your chest, right? You mm -hmm. just can't breathe. And it's, it's almost indescribable. The elephant analogy is as close as you can get to it. Um, and it is, it's terrifying, but this was kind of my daily routine. I would walk 10 feet, have to catch my breath, wipe just buckets of sweat off of my face and then walk another 10 feet, repeat, walk repeat, walk, repeat. And it, it just, one, I mean, that, that got really old really fast, but two, like every 10 feet having to, you know, contemplate your mortality. That's a lot for somebody at that, that age. And it's never one thing that forces anybody to change. But if you want to say that there was a straw that, that broke the camel's back, that was it. Um, so I didn't know anything about 
eating healthy at that point. I'd grown up basically on fast food and unhealthy food and thought that, you know, baked beans in a can were uh, a healthy vegetable and macaroni and cheese was its own food group that was healthy and, you know, the standard American diet on steroids. So I, out of desperation, opted to explore bariatric surgery. This was something that my father had had, uh, had success with initially. I mean, this guy lost a ton of weight. He looked great. Uh, sadly, like so many who have the, the surgery, put the weight back on very much close to his original weight. My friend who referred me to the surgeon, she too had regained all of her weight. But I thought, Dr. Kumar, I thought literally what I was going to do here was buy myself some time. All right. I wanted to live to see 30. I thought this procedure would get me to 30. But then by the time I was 40, had regained the weight, I could at least die and say that I had died trying everything, you know, basically wave the white flag. This was it. If this didn't work, I didn't know what would. Um, well, let and, me just, if I may just jump in and just, yeah. Yeah, hearing that just like breaks my heart. And it's because, uh, you know, I'm in the ER and we see this day in and day out. And I think um, from my perspective as physicians, I think we've failed the country and, and failed the world for like, if we are not talking about um, the evidence um, for nutrition and specifically plant-based nutrition for reversing disease, reversing high blood pressure, reversing diabetes, reversing hypercholesterolemia, reversing heart disease, um, or, you know, for a sophomore in high school, just making you feel good and making you look good, right? The things that are very important to a sophomore in high school, like we failed. I mean, it's just, it's just that simple. And it's not about, I don't think it's as simple as saying, Hey, you know, um, yeah, vegetarian food is good because it's not just vegetarian. I'm sure you'll get to all this stuff, but, um, it's very specific as to what works and what doesn't work. Um, and it's, you can't just give a lip service when an entire society and an entire kind of marketing machine is, is telling another story. So I can't just spend 30 seconds talking about it and think that's gonna cut it, it's not. And um, to hear somebody that young, like a sophomore with a blood pressure of 180 over 100, you know, is, is just, uh, we just throw beta blockers at them and, and not educate them and, and, not, and not even have a system to help them with resources. Like, I'm, I'm sure it's not enough to just say it. It's like, how do you actually change that? The addiction, the habit and, so I just want to jump in and say that for the audience, um, you know, it's true though, man. But, but, yeah. but like the, the doctor was, I mean, I love her to death. She, she's a great woman. Um, she was clueless, you know, because she hadn't really learned about any of this herself. You know, she yeah. didn't really know what to do other than to throw pills at this and, and tell me to eat better. She yeah. never said exactly what that meant. You know, she just said, you need to eat better. Yeah. Know. Okay. Like, what is that? Like one less cheeseburger a week. What are, what are we talking about here? Yeah. You know? Um, and, and so again, like the nutrition education really didn't come in until even after I had weight loss surgery, like I, I kind of just locked into that, you know, and, and had it not been for that, I, again, I, I think that I probably would have followed in, in my father's footsteps, um, and, and possibly, you know, have checked out by now. Um, I mean, I'm turning 40 this week, so, or this week, uh, this year. So, um, I'm pretty excited about that, but, um, yeah, man, I, I mean, it's, it's just privileged to be here. And the thing is, is like now doing 
the talking about health and nutrition for a living, it still astonishes me how few people know about this, right? And you know how much these you know triple and quadruple cheeseburgers are still celebrated in this country, not just celebrated. I mean, like it's Americana, like it is ingrained in our culture, you know, like the biggest cheeseburger possible with the biggest uh, fries possible and the largest soda possible. And let's just gorge with every meal. And like, no wonder we're in the position that we're in. And nobody is really saying that it's unhealthy. If anything, you know, the, 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 the pervasive message out there is that diet has nothing to do with it which if you think about it is really the most asinine statement to make because we know even at at its most simplistic form, if you eat too many calories, if you eat too much fat, you are going to gain weight, you are going to be unhealthy. And so for anybody to claim that diet has nothing to do with any of these chronic diseases that come with being overweight, being unhealthy, it's like, where's the disconnect? And it's like, the switch is on for me now, why did it take so long? And why is it taking so long for the light bulb to come on for so many other people? I don't know. I honestly don't have the answer to that one. Yeah. Well, I think it's money. I mean, that's, that's one of the major things is just that, um, when, I mean, the, the less expensive foods tend to be the foods that keep you feeling hungry and keep you coming back for more, right. With, with salt and sugar hits, um, that tends to be more accessible. That's what's in the fast food areas. Like you said, we know about food deserts in the country where it's hard to get fresh foods. The education isn't there in the, in the, in the school systems, right? This education generally isn't there, or it's like a class in one grade, but this should be in every grade, right? Every grade, like health and healing should be part of every grade throughout K through 12. So, and you just open it up more and more year by year and learn about it more. So I think those are the reasons. And And by doing that, by making, I guess, like lower quality foods um, that have that kind of high, almost like getting a hit of a drug, um, you're basically like trying to decrease cost as much as possible and and mass produce at scale. You know, I mean, that's what it seems to be to me. And it's leading to, obviously, it doesn't just, it's not just about one industry. It affects health and healing. It affects so many aspects of our lives. Oh yeah, man. And if you think that, uh, and, and I don't mean to sound like a conspiracy theorist, cause God knows I find that, um, sometimes they can be a little bit annoying between you and me. Uh, but I will say if you don't think that the fast food industry, if you don't think that the junk food industry knows exactly what it is that we're talking about today, you are sadly mistaken, yeah. you know? And if you think about it, they throw it in your face you know, they tell you run for the border. In my case, that was the Taco Bell slogan at the time, or, you know, you, you pop open, you know, a can of Pringles, bet you can't eat just one. You daggone right. I can't, you know, you know, they are literally smacking you across the face with it. And, 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 you know, but, but diet doesn't have anything to do with it. It has everything to do with it, but eh, whatever. What I will tell you though, is that having made these changes, The things that I wish I could go back and tell myself are this, and and I think that this is a critical message for somebody who is struggling with their weight because it is terrifying when you're 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 staring down a beast of an addiction and the prospect of living without these foods that you've been eating your entire life and have come to rely on, you know, for good times, for bad times, for just every time, days that end in Y. The prospect of living without them frightens you to no end. And so 
here's the comfort that comes with this. When you adopt a plant-based diet, it doesn't mean that you have to give up these, these foods. The cool thing is there are enough people on board this health train now that there are all kinds of creative recipes out there that can replicate these foods for you, just much healthier versions of them. So for me, again, Taco Bell was my jam. You should see some of these freaking burritos that I whip up in my kitchen these days. I mean, it is incredible. Tacos, you know, uh, you can do healthier versions of nachos. I mean, you, I mean, I've even seen whole food plant-based apple pie nachos, not addictive, low in fat, you know? And, and I would think that if you were to go through a drive-through and you would see something like apple pie nachos, you'd be like, oh my God, they're merging two of the greatest foods <laughs> in the history of the world. Let me get on that. But it's not the Sonic drive-in, right? This is something that you can create in your kitchen, yeah. low in fat, low in calories and super high in nutrients for goodness gracious sakes. You know, and so like, that's the coolest thing is like, we're not telling you that you need to break up with food. We're telling you that you can evolve your relationship with it, take it to that next level, a healthier level, and you will come to appreciate it that much more. You know, the complexities of the flavors are so much more rich because they're not being overpowered by grease and salt yeah. um, and sugar. And it, it's just like a wonderful thing. So I think that Again, for somebody who's just beginning to explore this, that's such a critical message is you don't have to give up the foods that you love. You just have to change with them. And that would make me feel so much better back in the day. So how did you, when you first started to make this change, like, did you see somebody do it? Did you hear about it? It's, I know you said there's no one thing that changes it, but when you first started, uh, what was that process like? Did you like... Did you go cold turkey, say, I'm not eating meat anymore? Did you start incorporating a little bit of this and doing a little bit of that? And, and psychologically, what was that process like for you as you started change? It, it was a, it was a years long process initially after the surgery. Like I went in that morning again, thinking like I'd still resign myself to die in another 10 years. But when I woke up from that surgery, I felt so God awful. Like I had been hit by a truck. Like I just became angry. And, you know, all of these places, Burger King, Taco Bell, McDonald's that had become my best friends were suddenly, you know, my biggest enemies. Okay. Mm. So like, I remember coming home from the hospital and waking up from a nap the day I was released and seeing by my bedside, just a cup of black coffee that my father and stepmother had got me from McDonald's, no sugar added, no cream in there, just a black cup of coffee, right? Couldn't be any more plain if it tried, but I got so angry, angry, like the night that I put my fist through a wall years earlier, just because I had seen the golden arches. I saw the logo and I was furious. It was like somebody had brought the devil into my bedroom and that just wasn't going to fly. So like, I, I just kind of made up my mind right then. And right there, I was never going to go to another drive-through again. And I haven't, you know, 13 years later, I still wow. have not. But, you know, learning though, beyond just taking fast food out of my life, what was truly healthy, that was still a years long process because I did, you know, for a time still eat, uh, you know, like, uh, fried tortilla chips, things like that, a little bit of cheese, you know, uh, homemade pizza with more than a little bit of cheese, um, you know, unhealthy things. Um, and it just, it took me a while to really get that out of my system. And, uh, had it not been for a girlfriend who I had. Uh, who was very much into um, 
I say like a, a crunchy lifestyle. Like she was a really kind of holistic uh, person. Um, she introduced me to the concept of nutrient density and really eating to fuel your body as opposed to eating to please your taste buds. Um, and once you did the cool thing though, is like the way she explains, she's like, once you eat to fuel your body, your taste buds will follow suit too. So pretty soon that kimchi that you've detested your entire life is going to taste like the bomb.com. And sure enough, she was right. You know, um, the relationship didn't work out, but the things that she taught me certainly carry forward with me to this day. And then eventually, um, as I'm working for CBS at this point, I interview a professional wrestler by the name of Austin Aries. And he is, uh, you know, a guy from Wisconsin, right? So like dairy capital of the world, sausage capital of the world. And he's like, I'm plant-based dude. I know you're a health nut. You should really look at this too. And that really kicked things into overdrive. And then suddenly every other thing started to click. And that's when I really started to learn about food addiction and the power that comes with that. And then really taking that, that concept that I just learned about with nutrient density and really ratcheting that up about 110% and, and really just going all in with this and then learning like, okay, well, your weight loss journey isn't just about weight loss anymore, right? Now it has become about keeping the weight off. It's about lowering your risk of heart disease that runs in your family. It's about lowering your risk of Alzheimer's, which runs in the family. It's about lowering your risk about cancer that runs in your family. And unbeknownst to me, I didn't realize what great burdens those were to have been carrying around my whole life, even though you, you, you know, you just kind of assume that that's what, what your fate may be. Yeah. But now knowing that by eating this healthier way, I can dramatically lower my risk of that while keeping that weight off, man. It's like, why wouldn't I want to do this? So I'm so fired up to do that. And then, you know, with the exam room, being able to relay that message and tell stories of others who have had similar transformations mm -hmm. um, and get that message out there, just like you're doing and, and literally changing people's lives. Like it just means the world to me now. So, I mean, that's, that's my fuel to keep going, man, is, is helping others. And, you know, what you said about the wrestler reminds me, um, there's this, this idea in society, and I had it too for the longest time, that strength means meat, right? Mm -hmm. or, or that athletics, sports means meat. And fortunately, that start, I don't think it's mainstream yet, but it's, it's starting to change that people are starting to see you. And now there are pro football players in the NFL who are plant-based, who are completely plant-based, right? I saw this. Um, this documentary recently called Game Changers on Netflix, um, where the the guy with the Guinness record for the strongest, I don't know, it's kind of like called the ox lift, I think, where he like lifts up this weight on both the shoulders and rumbles down a, a certain distance. And the Guinness world record holder is huge guy, incredibly strong, and he's completely plant-based. And I, you know, I always tell people, you know, Brontosaurus is plant-based, you know, <laughs> like it's, it's, it's such a misconception. Again, it's it's pure marketing to give this idea that strength and meat go together. Now, of course, if you want that kind of strength and then you dedicate yourself to a kind of plant-based diet, of course, to get that strength. But the idea that the meat itself is what is strong, it's a myth. Absolutely. You know, the, the protein that you get from the meat, you know, the, the meat is kind of the middleman. You can just go right to that protein and, yeah. you know, because odds are the meat that you're getting that animal, you know, eats a primarily plant-based diet, if not yeah. an exclusively plant-based diet. Right. Yeah. So why not just cut out the middleman and the way that the uh, meat prices are these days? I mean, it's a lot cheaper to do that as well. 
Yeah. So it's, it's, it's not a bad thing. I think that the guy that you're thinking of is Patrick Bomanian. Um, yes. and, and he is yeah. just, I mean, just so, so, so incredibly strong. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've, I've actually, you know, had the opportunity to interview a number of NFL players. Oh, uh, really? We're plant-based. Yeah. You know, one of whom, um, a couple of seasons ago, there was a, a gentleman who played here in Washington by the name of DJ Swearinger. Okay. And I went out to the team's training facility and I was talking to him about his diet and it's, it's late in the season at that point. Right. So it's like week 16, week 17, there's only one or two games left to be played. And by that point in the year, um, if you ever look in the locker room or, or talk to players, you'll notice that it's kind of like the walking dead, right? They can barely move. They're, they're just shuffling around. You know, it's like every single step they take is just so labored, but then here's DJ coming in for the interview and he literally is just bounding down the stairs like this ball of energy and he's like hey what's up man let's do this and i'm like cool <laughs> right and and but then so like come to find out uh you know he got turned on to a plant-based diet because of its anti-inflammatory properties and how it speeds up an athlete's recovery and so what he did was you know while the rest of the team is you know eating steaks and hamburgers and pizza you know in the cafeteria for lunch he's installed a smoothie station over there and he's got all kinds of fresh and frozen produce that he can add to it. Chia seeds for like fat and protein, like whatever he needs, he has there. And so while these guys are loading up on animal proteins and, and just feeling sluggish and inflamed, this guy is guzzling down two or three of these bad boys that by the way, taste just phenomenal. He gave me one to taste test and I was just like, Oh my God, dude, you need to bottle this and sell it. And it was so filling and it was so tasty. And he's like, that's my secret sauce right there. Yeah. And sure enough, man, I mean, this guy, you know, led the team or was maybe second in interceptions that year. I mean, he's yeah. just a really good player. Yeah. Um, just incredible. So being vegan does not mean being weak, uh, whether yeah. it be mentally or physically, nothing yeah. could be further from the truth. And, and the flip side that's important for people to know is that I feel like vegan meant one thing maybe 10 years ago. Now you can be vegan and still eat terribly, right? Because like everybody's caught on now. Oh, if you just slap vegan on the label, and don't put meat or dairy in it. It's vegan, but you can, it can still be entirely processed, tons of sugar, tons of salt. So I think that that difference between vegan and plant-based is so important to emphasize. Yep. Yeah. It's a sliding scale and the marketing is kind of getting slick. And, and, you know, people will ask like, well, you know, is it still better to eat an impossible burger rather than just a Big Mac or a Whopper? And my answer is yes you know, for environmental reasons, if you want to get into animal advocacy stuff, then 1000%. Yes. Um, it's, it's the better option, you know, but in terms yeah. of your health, it's, it's still a salt bomb. It's still a fat bomb. Yeah. You know, there's still a lot of things in there that you probably don't really want to be putting into your system. So it's a choice that you need to make. Um, I absolutely support products like that. Um, not necessarily for the healthiest of reasons, yeah. um, but they do carry some good with it. So I don't want to vilify them, yeah. but I, I will say in terms of your health, you can do better. You can absolutely do better. Well, it's, it's an amazing story um, from what's your weight now? 140. So uh, wow. it's a 280 pound total weight loss, um, wow. you know, and, so. and to me more than the, I mean, the number is dramatic to me more than the number it's really the way you feel and, and the implications for your life. For sure. Yeah. 
I'm, um, I'm, I'm every day, you know, I wake up and it's still like, even though it's been 13 years, Dr. Kumar, like I, I still feel like it's day one. And every day I wake up is like, is this, is this really my life right now? Yeah. Like it's insane to me. And I never want that feeling to go away. And I'm hoping, you know, because it, it's been so long now that um, it, it never will. There's still yeah. such a large part of me that identifies as that old individual. And I, I often revert back to that mentality to help guide me as I move forward. Like what, would this guy do? Oh, okay. Well, let me go ahead and do the opposite. And mm -hmm. nine times out of 10, that, that works for me, but it also, you know, helps give me compassion where, um, it helps me talk to people who are still in that struggle and mm -hmm. never forgetting where I was and, and helping them out when they feel like they can never change, you know, just being able to offer that little bit of hope and inspiration to get them going so that they then can touch that next person and inspire them and, and help, you know, change their life. And then, you know, just paying for it. I know that that sounds trite, but it's so very true, man. It yeah, is no, absolutely true. I think it's, I feel it's very powerful and thank you for sharing the story to me, it, to me. And I think to the audience too, it's, it's, it's really about, uh, like you said, addiction, um, you know, and, and, and the packaging is different for everybody, but it's, it's a story of addiction and uh, difficulty and suffering and, and a way to get through that. So thanks. Thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for everything you do with the, with the podcast and encouraging other people to share their stories, getting the word out. I'm very grateful to you as an ER doc. I'm very grateful to you so that we will have fewer patients in the ER. Uh, and that's a good thing if they're not having emergencies and, um, just as a friend, I'm grateful to you for, for sharing your story. Um, so let me ask you, the podcast is called Healing is Possible. Um, Chuck, with everything you've been through, everything you've seen, when you hear this phrase, healing is possible, what does that mean to you? It means truth, man. I mean, that that is 100% true. You, you may not realize it at the moment, but believe you me, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, it is 1000% true. And I did not think for the life of me that it was possible when I was in my deepest, darkest moment. But in life, a lot of us base, uh, uh, you know, a, a lot of our beliefs on faith. And so you need to have faith that healing is possible um, because that is a tangible 1000% undeniable fact. And when you trust that healing is possible and you put your chips to the middle of the table and say, yeah, healing is possible and we're going to make it possible right now your life is going to change in ways that you just can't even fathom. And it is going to be one heck of a ride. The stories shared here are the experiences of the speakers. They're not intended as medical advice. Join our network or simply share your story at healthrevolution.org is possible.